Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 333 of the podcast. It is February 20th, 2019. My guests today are a father and son. They are Jean-Marc Legentel and Marc-Olivier Legentel. They are lean consultants from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. They work together in the firm Bell Nordic Consulting. I've had the pleasure of meeting both of them on numerous trips to Montreal over recent years, and I was really happy to hear that they were part of the team that created the latest book in the excellent Memory Jogger series of books. This has been a series from Goal QPC that's been around a couple of decades now, and uh, the most recent book that they uh, contributed to is the Toyota Kata Memory Jogger. So I hope you'll enjoy our conversation here today about Toyota Kata, improvement, leadership, and uh, much, much more. So if you want to find uh, links to get the book or learn more about our guests and their firm, you can go to leanblog.org slash 333. I'd like to welcome both of our guests here today on the podcast. First, John Mark, thank you for joining us. Hello, Mark. Thank you for inviting us. And Mark Livier, I guess I should also say uh, bonjour. <laughs> Not just hello. Enchanté. <laughs> and we, we've about we, we've about tapped out um, the extent of, of that's most of my French. So thank you for uh, doing this in uh, in English <laughs> today. Um, Jean-Marc, you know, we'll let you, you know, both tell a little bit about your background. And I always like to ask guests just um, for introductions and a baseline. Uh, how did you get introduced to Lean within the context of your career? Um, well, actually, uh, I worked with uh, Johnson & Johnson and Abbott Laboratories for 15 years as, a, you know, different position and supervisor, production manager, plant manager, and, and VP operation. And... Um, I guess uh, continuous improvement was uh, very, very big within those two companies. Uh, even you know, back in the time, we were calling that uh, total quality management and all the uh, periods where we were like looking for what the Japanese were doing so fantastically. And um, I guess I was involved with uh, AME after, and um, I had the. Um, Quebec chapter for AME, uh, and I was on the board for the uh, the Canada uh, chapter. So uh, it has been a little while since I was introduced to consistent improvement, and I saw over the year uh, the changes and the changes in the vocabulary and the the deepening and the understanding of what continuous improvement is. So I guess. Um, I read uh, Lean Thinking and The Machine That Changed the World um, probably the same year it was published. So it has been a little while and a, a fun journey. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun journey, an interesting journey. And um, you, you're now working as a, a, a consultant after that time in direct operational leadership roles, correct? So after the uh, these uh, time with the uh, Johnson and Johnson and Abbott. I started my consulting firm. I trained people at university, also uh, public seminars. One with an engineering school, one with uh, a management school, and I was consulting to, and I am still consulting to management. We give training, um, you know, uh, 
green bell, black bell, problem solving, and also we do project. Um, we're more into the uh, coaching and support, uh, you know, like more like Kaizen event way where we coach people to do that. So I'm doing that for the, the last uh, many, many years. And with different companies, uh, for some time, we were uh, heavily involved uh, with, uh, with the uh, Lean Healthcare initiative with many, many uh, hospitals. And I guess that's where we met and uh, we got in contact. So, but in different industries, these days, uh, construction is really opening. We have uh, what we call Lean Construction. And uh, this is big. So I attend many uh, Congress uh, and seminar and I, I support the construction company these days to do that. Uh, but we've been involved with uh, airspace and pulp and paper uh, or uh, lots of software companies, uh, even the game, electronic game uh, to help them review processes. Great. So a lot of different industries and experiences. Um, Mark Louvier, you know, kind of similarly, if you can um, maybe answer that same question about how and when you got introduced to Lean and and, and got into this type of work. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's kind of a, a different uh, road for me on on that part, as uh, maybe some listeners don't know. But uh, actually, uh, Jean-Marc and I, uh, Jean-Marc is my my father, and um, Actually, when I was around 17 years old, um, I was studying in uh, mechanical engineering, and I wasn't really liking to study in that. I was kind of looking at maybe changing um, what I was going to do. And uh, actually, Jean-Marc, that was already uh, having the consulting firm, he, he told me, well, uh, if, if you want to try something new, you could do like a, a summer internship with, uh, with me. Um, and some of my employees, and actually at like 17 years old, I started doing U-shaped sales, uh, starting to um, uh, work in the warehouses and try to eliminate waste and try to see like some of the lean concepts. And um, I actually really liked it. It's really like uh, I realized it was something really hands-on where you work with the employees directly. Um, and so just at like 17, 18 years old, I, I just started doing um some uh, consulting work a little bit uh, internship and then decided to uh, study in operations management and just keep on going with the uh, continuous improvement um and afterwards i was able to translate that to uh worked uh, for like five years at l'oreal um as a supervisor um and was starting to kind of like uh, work with continuous improvement and then decided to uh, keep on studying uh, continuous improvement and my master's degree and uh, then starting to uh, consulting with uh, Jean-Marc. It's been almost uh, two or three years already that we've been uh, working together uh, uh, in the consulting firm. Yeah. Well, and I, I think there's, there's probably an interesting comparison, you know, generationally, um, I, I don't. I, do you wear the the millennial label, Mark Olivier? <laughs> I do. I actually do. Yeah. So you know, they, there's often talk about millennials being quote unquote digital natives, and I wonder is there a parallel to you know sort of you know being a quote unquote lean native as opposed to Sean Mark your experiences? I think it's always different having to unlearn something and learn a different way as opposed to you know I think I when I started my career. 
in the mid nineties, I, you know, I was introduced to lean really at the beginning. So I had less to unlearn. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on that. Um, actually, I, I think I'm, even if I have like the millennium label, I'm, I'm kind of in between, you know, I'm like uh, 31 years old. Um, the thing is when I started to kind of apply the lean concepts, um, I wasn't already into that kind of like that digital world where, uh, whereas everyone in kind of continuous improvement is a lot about, you know, hands-on, post-it, doing it, uh, doing it with, with, with teams without computers and, and whatnot. And, um, I think I kind of learned it that way and, and, um, really felt kind of that, uh, that advantages of, of doing it really by uh, by hand, um, and I think it it just stuck. And I'm I'm <laughs> I think I'm more uh, I'm more into like uh, posted writing things down than really digital. Um, so maybe I was uh, compromised uh, when I was uh, <laughs> when I was young compared to the other millennials. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and John Mark, you know, when you were reading um, the machine that changed the world and lean thinking, I mean, how, how much of a unlearning process do you think you had to go through? Um, I guess that uh, the um, the unlearning was uh, really about the fact that you could uh, in, involve more people that are doing the work and less. Um, yourself being obliged to find the solutions. <clears throat> but um, somewhere deep inside me, I liked it a lot. And um, it was kind of um, easy to accept the idea. But as you know, knowledge is not understanding. So it took me a um, few years, but maybe like a year or two or three to get exposed after to Kaizen Blitz with uh, Japanese people going at Pat and Whitney and other companies here in, in Canada and uh, in the States and um, see how they would do it with the teams, you know? And then it all made sense. So I think that, um, I don't know if it's unlearning or learning new skills, but the unlearning part was like to transfer it to a team instead of me being obliged to find the right solution and, you know, being, uh, um, on the spot to to really be creative, but make other people more creative, and by teaching them the principles. So I think that was the, the that was that part. And actually, that's a, a a good link we can make with Kata. It's just like in right. the continuity of 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 coaching and improvement and helping others to grow instead of giving them the answer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, that would be a good transition to the Toyota Kata topic. But, you know, one thing I want to mention before we get into that, you know, I think this this phrase unlearning is on my mind because in a couple of days I'll re be recording a podcast with Barry O'Reilly, who has published a book called Unlearn. And, you know, as uh. I've been reading that book, it makes me think about developing new habits, whether it's Lean, Kaizen, Toyota Katas, you know, all about uh, habits and routines. And it's not just learning the new thing, but it's unlearning the old approach. Like you were saying, Jean-Marc, you know, the, the old mindset is, well, I need to have the answers. I'm the boss. I'm the expert um, as opposed to helping and facilitating others. So I think that's a 
a book and a, a podcast that 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 you'll both I, I think all the listeners will will enjoy um, as well. But you know, bring it back to Toyota Cottage on Mark. You know, how did you get introduced to this approach? You mentioned a couple of minutes ago that uh, vocabulary changes over time, understanding changes over time. I think Toyota Kata kind of brings both opportunities for, for different language and different understanding. So can, can you tell a little bit of your own personal Toyota Kata story? Sure. Uh, the, um, it, it was funny because I, I teach classes with my friend Sylvain Landry and um, mm -hmm. he's very uh, involved in Tulin healthcare. Uh, you know Sylvain very well as well. And uh, Sylvain uh, kept banging my head with, uh, you have to see what is about uh, Toyota Kata. It's fantastic. And um, he dragged me to Sigma Point uh, in, in Ontario, where the, these guys uh, were doing fantastic stuff uh, with uh, coaching, improvement on the floor. And um, they, they were all like um, Toyota Catters, or, you know, uh, they were doing it uh, and they had a great performance and a um, lot of uh, involvement for the uh, the team and, and the managers and the turnaround um, rate for the employees and for the supervisor and for the managers was really, really low. And uh, because um, we got it after a little while, but we got it that uh, people were growing. So they were growing like on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. And if you want to keep your people, you know, you have to to make uh, make them grow and be better and succeed. And um, it was like, okay, but what's going on there? And then I started to obviously read the read the book. And um, Sylvain and I, we decided to organize a, a symposium on the subject. So we we called many companies around and. Uh, we, we tried to find who were doing Toyota Kata and, um, and, and around like uh, uh, 50, kilo, 50 miles around and it was not possible. So we got like 100 miles around and then it was not possible. So we like really extended and we finally found many people, organized a symposium, make visit and uh, 300 people showed up and uh, wow, that, that was it. Uh, uh, th there was something. So we met with uh, Mike Rother. We went to yeah. the um, uh, first and second and third uh, symposium uh, about uh, Teyata Kata. And um, it, it all started like that, just like uh, one university professor telling me, uh, you got to do this, you, you got to see this, and visiting someone who was doing and, and, um, doing and Sigma it. Point, and, uh, Sigma Point's a uh, manufacturing company, correct? That's correct. They were they are doing a surface mount uh, and the um, the uh, technologies, you know, SMPs and the assemble uh, um, boards, electronic boards. Yeah. So these guys were, and it, it was funny because um, uh, the the guy over there um, it, it was introduced uh, to um, the um, the uh, the uh, sorry for that. Uh, the guy at Sigma Point, they met um, a, a guy from Tulsa Tubing in uh, an airplane, and they didn't know each other. And they were talking, and then it happened that 
both were working in manufacturing. One was the president. He was uh, kind of a VP. And uh, they, they talked and they said, well, you got to see what is uh, the um, Toyota the, um, Kata is all about. So the guy from uh, Sigma Point, Stefan, um, bought the book right away on Brad Frank, um, uh, the uh, uh, advice. And uh, that's how Stefan started. It just started like by reading the book. And that's what we visited. And we were very impressed. So it was funny to see that it was like a conversation of someone, intimate conversation, business intimate conversation, that lead uh, a, 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 the learning process to meet another person. And then by having a great conversation, I had the opportunity then to see what it gives, what it got, what it does, and then we saw each other uh, doing the same thing with other companies. Like um, I'm doing it with uh, Omega Pharmaceutical these days, and these guys are just nuts. They uh, they they gave a book to everyone in the company who has a management position. They uh, in six months they have uh, six storyboards, and um, they are leading the company in, in on on different uh, levels. So that's that's how I started to get to know uh, it's because I was introduced by a friend. Yeah, and if this uh, podcast for some of the listeners, this may be, you know, an introduction from a friend or a, a new friend about um, Toyota Kata. You know, I know there's a lot of listeners who are learning and practicing this methodology. There might be some who have heard about it but don't really know what it is. So, what would be your elevator speech? description of Toyota Kata for somebody who's probably already familiar with lean and Kaizen and continuous improvement more generally? Yeah, the elevator pitch is um, a very good question, Mark, because uh, I changed it like uh, every year as I was uh, knowing it a bit better. And then as I was like doing it more and then as I was writing about, it, it, it did change. And um, so I guess I was changing, you know, and that's what happened with to young people like me is mm -hmm. you change uh, over time. Well, and, um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I, I guess actually my elevator pitch, I, I try to really keep it like uh, only a few stories long. So uh, <laughs> like uh, maybe 20 seconds or something like that. Uh, I tell them that uh, Kata is about um, improvement and coaching and uh, it's about um, how you could uh, make a person that is responsible for an area or a project or uh, an issue um, take advantage of coaching by doing it themselves and the kata is um, uh, spread over two points that are key uh, one is the improvement kata, so how you solve the problem and how you do that. And the coaching kata is the relationship with the coach and uh, the person, uh, the, the improver, the person that does the change. So it's about get, having the person who is doing the improvement being a better improver and about the coach being a better person, a better coach. So Kata has that two dim dimension, improvement and, and coaching. So that would be uh, my first uh, step in this elevator pitch. 
Yeah, so there's our first elevator ride. Um, so in, you know, in the Memory Jogger book, uh, you talk a little bit about terminology and the person being coached, you refer to them as the quote unquote improver instead of the term uh, learner. Um, can you talk a little bit about why you think that's, on, you know, coming back again to changes in vocabulary, why, why do you think that's a better word to use? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and actually, there's a, there's a third author of the Toyota Casa, Mary Jagger, that isn't here, but uh, we have uh, our friend Thilo Schwartz that we wrote the book with, too, that is uh, uh, our, our German friend that uh, wrote the book with us. And he's kind of the, the person that, that brought it up at first, and we started discussing about, you know, are we using learner or improver? And, and I think the, the main objective of using improver instead of learner is, um, you know, just letting people know that even as a coach, you know, really Toyota Kata is about two routines, right? The improvement Kata routines and the, the coaching Kata. Um, and as a coach, you still always learn using the, we'll, we'll probably talk about like the, the five questions and kind of the coaching routine later on in the, the podcast, but it's, it's, it's uh, still a learning routine for the coach as well as what we would say like the, the learner. And uh, we wanted to make sure that we had the distinction of saying that even a, the coach is already in, and is also learning to coach and to become a better coach. Um, so we tried to kind of like find a, a different word to um, to express what a learner would be. And I think the, the the improver was kind of like the terminology that we found that was able to just be sure that you know, as a as an improver and as a coach, you're you're always learning um, right. using these different these these different routines. Yeah, and I think that that's a great thing to emphasize. You know, kind of in the spirit of personal continuous improvement, or this is where I think there's parallels, even if the terminology is a little bit different. Uh, mm -hmm. Cycles of plan, do, study, adjust, or PDSA, or some people say PDCA, of learning and practicing and, and reflecting and seeing what's working or what could be better and adjusting and going back and trying again. I mean, that, that, that's where, um, that seems like a familiar mindset. Would you agree that that's, that's a big part of the mindset with um, Toyota Kata approaches? I think, I think that the PDSA is, you know, it's a scientific approach to initiate a, a continuous improvement initiative. So I think, Kind of like the PDSA is is an integral part of uh, of CATA. Um but I think where it defends where there's like kind of like a, a difference is that um, CATA with the routines they it's kind of like a, an approach to bring new behaviors in the organization and kind of help people to practice these uh, this PDSA cycle toward um, more like a, a shared goal a shared challenge in the organization so. I think PDSA is part of, of CATA for sure, and it's, it's a scientific approach. Um, I think it's where the CATA is kind of different. It's, it's where you kind of like deliberately, like uh, I think Mike says a lot, deliberately practice these routines um, to kind of build that scientific thinking and, and that mindset uh, within the organization. Yeah, and can you talk a little bit more, Mark Olivier, about 
this idea of routines and, and, and bringing new behaviors, you know, when this starts at a very personal level, one-on-one between um, coach and improver, what, what have you seen in terms of, of this impacting an organization more broadly and, and, and trying to build an organizational culture of continuous improvement off of these personal habits? Yeah, and it's a, it's kind of a it's it's a it's a great question. Whereas when I like for me when I started Kata, even if it's really like a, a hands-on, I think uh, discipline and it's really about working on the routines. I kind of started, you know, learning about Kata more on the academic side of it. Um, you know, I actually did like my master's degrees in uh, operations management, and my master's thesis was about like how can we transform. Uh, the organization's uh, culture, um, you know, by using Kata and can it sustain continuous improvement? And uh, Jean-Marc talked about uh, Talta 2 bending and Sigma Point technologies, and these were actually the organizations that I I studied for uh, for my um, for my thesis. And um, really, kind of like these routines where. The improvement kata and coaching kata routines where they bring, uh, you know, like kind of artifacts, uh, different language. Um, they change um, kind of the, the frequency where there's these kind of one-on-ones. You were talking about the one-on-ones where you, you be sure that you talk about this scientific thinking and the experiments on a higher frequency, I think, than than before. and um, and I think this is where it, it it helps changing the behaviors, where there's kind of that that daily routine where we meet up and we be sure that we have that connection between managers and and supervisors or team leaders and talk about our different experiments and what are we learning from our process and how can we improve it in terms of uh, uh, an organization as a whole. So I think just kind of having these daily meetings and having that objective of, of learning about the process and remove obstacles on a daily base just introduces these kind of artifacts that um, after a while just changes uh, behaviors of people and how they, how they react to, um, to uh, problems they, they meet on a, on a daily base. Yeah. And, and, and that culture change, um, takes time, right? It's not like flipping a light switch and say, oh, well, we learned kata. Now we're, we, we sent everyone to a class. We did some coaching routines. Now we're a culture of continuous improvement. It's not that easy, right? Uh, no, and it's, and actually it's, it was really, I mean, I, I'm not um, an expert on, on culture, but I, I, I love, I've been loving that subject for a couple of years and trying to understand what is actually what is organizational culture at first. And and just seeing how Kata um, kind of evolved, you know, like it at top sort to bending versus single point technology is, is so different. But changing culture is really about it's it's still about what what's happening daily in your organization. What are the artifacts that you can see? What are the the language used? Um, how do people react on certain problems on certain subjects um, situations? And and um, this is where kind of like using the, the routines or the, the starter katas um, is really important where it, it, it takes time and you need to kind of like uh, 
it needs to be embedded in the organization, the different ways of talking about problems or obstacles um, for it to kind of change the culture. And even after a while, um, it's going to evolve differently in different organizations for sure. Uh, but I think the mindset behind it can, can stay and can be quite um, similar. And, and Jean-Marc, what, what are your thoughts or experiences um, around culture change and continuous improvement, whether it was like you were saying earlier in the context of TQM or uh, Lean or, or Kata? What, what are your thoughts around you know, how, how long that takes? I know that's really hard to quantify. And what do you mean by culture change? And there's different dimensions of this. But I mean, I'm, what, what are your experiences around trying to change, trying to create a culture of continuous improvement? The uh, the question is is all, again very good and very important. <clears throat> the um, it takes long time and takes no time. It, it's funny because um, as soon as the the management see that top management really wants to have a a culture change and they really want to see like coaching and people being better and addressing issues and problems. As soon as the, the whole organization starts to understand and see that, then we can feel a change. So the organization is not, um, it's not a reflex, you know, it's not like a, a habit that you don't have to think about, just like riding a bicycle. If you get on your bicycle, you don't, you don't think. Uh, when you learn, you have to think every movement. But when when you know how to ride a bike, you just get on a bike and and you go. So how long it takes for an organization just to get on, you know, in a meeting or just like seeing a situation and having just the reflex of doing like a plan, do, check, act, or just like asking the right question and improvement. I think it takes a long time, maybe five years, ten years. Uh, to get there, and it's like uh, you know, quitting smoking. Uh, if you try to quit smoke, uh, smoking uh, after uh, maybe a year or six months or three months, never smoke. But uh, what I see is that uh, you have a crave. You know, you crave to go back to the old habit, <clears throat> and um, just like shoot from the hip. You know, you you're in a position where uh, you see the situation, you know what to do, and then just. You forget the good intention of asking the right question, coaching, being patient, and making everyone go through the assumption and uh, go through the, uh, you know, uh, deep cause. So just to get there, like, you do it and you don't think about it, just like at probably Toyota is doing with their people. Uh, I guess it takes like five, ten years. On the other hand, uh, as soon as uh, I've seen that, as soon as the top management, like the president, she decides to uh, have the scientific approach and all the VPs, I've seen that with one municipality, one city here with uh, we were working with. Um, we started, uh, and that's the general manager and the mayor, they decided that the, um, the general manager and all the VP, if you will, um, they will go through the basic uh, conscious improvement, problem solving training, and they will all do a project before it goes to the organization. Mm -hmm. And they did project and they did presentation to each other and we coached them to do it 
and they started to have like a storyboard and um, also uh, Ocean Cannery and um, they did it themselves. So everyone were like a bit curious in the organization about what they were doing, you know, like new trick and maybe a new religion or something. So they were very amused to see them go around and do the project. So after three months, um, the whole organization were kind of, okay, it's there to stay. What are they doing, you know? So they, um, just like um, uh, when you have the situational leadership, I don't know if you recall that, but the first quarter on the right-hand side, bottom is that uh, um, you, you, you don't know that it's complicated, so you're ignorant and you're incompetent. But as you start to uh, practice it, you are still incompetent, but you're very uh, aware that you are incompetent, just like practicing golf. You know, you watch golf on the TV. It looks really easy. You go on the field, and now you realize that you don't know. But after a little while, when you practice, uh, you have to think about uh, uh, how you position yourself, the knees and the, the hands and everything, or just like... Uh, Dancing, you know, you look at people dancing, it's easy. When you try to dance, you're miserable. And then after a little while, you count your steps and you, you start to be performing, but it's not automatic. But yeah, right. and then the last quarter on the left-hand side, it's um, you don't have to think about it and you're very competent. So to get the culture to be competent and not even have to think about that, I think it takes like five and 10 years and uh, but uh, it may take uh, three six months uh, a year if the top management really know what they want to do and they get there to at least get everyone competent but not and competent and very conscious about what they they are doing the the one trap though is that even with the company who do that without thinking but they are very competent doing coaching and doing improvement uh, the management has to realize that when you welcome new employees, new managers, you know, people go, people uh, get uh, retire, uh, you, the company grows, and you have new people coming in, just like in a couple, you know, uh, the, the, the two people in a couple, they bring their own luggages, their own background, their own history, and uh, that makes the new couple, you know. So as soon as you have a new person coming in the team, the team has to re-evaluate, uh, reassess the the culture, the the what they have to do. So, the, uh, some people they come in the company, even if the company as per se um, is very competent, and uh, they do that like without even thinking about it. The new people coming in put pressure to go back to old habits and uh, shoot from the hip and. Uh, I am in charge and uh, people expect me to find a solution and we're in a rush, we're in a rush, we're in a rush and we don't have to think about and uh, why don't we fool around with the process uh, uh, playing with uh, 10 parameters, doing 10 trials at the same time and the whole organization, organization has to tell the person, slow down, one trial at a time, uh, how do you know? Uh, what is the impact and then you make the, the new people go through the, the situational leadership four steps uh, and that uh, eventually they will get to very conscious very competent but uh, to get to be um, very 
competent and not having to think about it, uh, it, it takes time and it's always at risk. Well, and there's a difference as, as part of the, the culture and mindset change. A couple of minutes ago, you said, you know, they expect me to find the solution. So there's this idea of, you know, searching, uh, experimenting, getting in the, the new frontier of knowledge and, and you know, it's through Kata cycles and PDSA cycles versus a lot of organizations expect people to know the answer. You know, we talk about it and like, oh, that, that sounds good. That sounds like the answer. And then it seems like life gets oriented around proving that hypothesis, which is not really good science, right? If people are sort of stubborn and say, well, I know that's the answer. I'm going to go implement that and I'm going to plow forward no matter what. Um, you know, a lot of organizations have that old habit of saying, oh, well, we know the answer or even they might say we found the answer in a very definitive, non-iterative way, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's, uh, you know, it's, 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 always, uh, it's always hard to go from like, uh, you know, um, changes by experience, feelings, assumptions, mm -hmm that people have um, or uh, kind of like you said they, they know the answer and and it's it's always more uh, kind of uh, reassuring you know we're talking about culture but it's, it's reassuring to have kind of a, a plan and know what we need to do and just kind of like go through this action list and, and try to, uh, to thrive with with that um, compared to you know kind of like experiments maybe accept that you will sometimes fail during experiments, but mm -hmm. kind of like learning is the objective. I think it's, it's, it's rare at the beginning that people, they tend to have kind of that main objective of learning besides having the objective of performance in a, in a kind of short-term ma manner. Um, yeah. So I think that's the way really, you know, when we talk about culture, it's really uncomfortable to change our behaviors and our, our way of thinking and our way of working daily. Um, so for sure, that's that's one thing that is, I think, super difficult. People, it's, it's difficult to accept that we can fail doing experiments and and we have we need to take time and not necessarily just bring on a big action list and just try to to uh, to go through it as fast as possible just to perform. Yeah. So um, one other thing I wanted to ask, I'll bring it back to, to Jean-Marc, um, asking questions, coaching questions um, is such an important part of the Toyota Kata approach. Can you talk a little bit about the art of asking questions as you talk I about was very, uh, Yeah, sure. Um, I, I was very, um, I guess, uh, influenced by Frederick Fattis' uh, uh, work and uh, training. He gave me uh, many uh, seminars and um, I think that um, even if we know that um, asking questions, you know, you have like the open-ended question, you have the closed question. Closed question is, uh, uh, you know, uh, is the machine working? Is the process under control? The answer is yes or no. Um, and the open question is how the process is performing today is very open-ended question. So that we know. You know, and uh, but we don't practice it. And uh, even I, I, I listen to the radio again this morning, and the 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 anchor is a, a very famous guy, and uh, still he, he does uh, ask a question with the uh, close question, 
and expect a, a description, expect a, an explanation. So really, uh, it, it, even if we know, we, we don't do it. And what um, the art of asking question, what happened is that uh, if you want to use question uh, to coach people, then you have to not only ask an open or closed question, but you have to ask question with an intention. Mm. Uh, why am I asking that question? You know, wh what is my plan for my improver? What what do I have in mind when I have to ask that question? Let's pretend uh, I have a supervisor supervisor in the office doing, you know, supervising a process or in the factory or in a, a you know, um, warehouse or a supervisor, uh, chief of uh, the uh, ER, you know, uh, someone that is uh, first line. And um, the person is always, always, always uh, finding solutions and telling everyone. So me as a coach, I could, you know, Tell the person stop doing that. Involve your people, but uh, you know, the uh, probably the person will react uh, by protecting and excusing, or uh, the person would just say, I, "I am involving people." Well, <laughs> the person is involving by telling, you know. Mm. So <laughs> right. the coach is, is not um, useful, and uh, it's it's hard to coach the person. But if you have an intention, the intention being, as an example that uh, you want to make the supervisor realize that actually she's not or he's not involving uh, the people working uh, in her team or in his team. So uh, a good question might be to verify how involved, what, as an actor, what was the involvement of the supervisor? So. Uh, a good question could be for the, the coach to ask um, what was um, your involvement in the situation? How have you handled the um, situation? And uh, the person ha will have to explain, I'm doing it really short and briefly, but the person has to explain what was his or her involvement in the process. Let's say the person says, uh, I told everyone to clean up the area. Ah, okay. So the involvement was to tell. So mm -hmm. after the the coach may want to ask other questions to make the person realize that just telling is not making the team um, reflect or uh, the team understand um, how come the area went again dirty or misplaced and what could be done so the place will be tidy at all times, just like 5S. So the art of asking question is really to have intention, a coaching intention, when we ask a question to the improver. And uh, it takes some practice. In the, in the memory jogger, we have a, a, a chapter on that, and we have like um, a, a full section where we explain uh, what kind of posture you could have when you coach someone. You could be asking the person as an actor what the person was, uh, how the person was involved. 
maybe as an observer, what the person has I've seen, maybe uh, introspect how the person felt about it. And the thinker is uh, just a meta process, like you want to know how the person came up with the decision. Like um, when, when you tell them, when, when you say something like that, when you say this is the target condition, what are you saying? Or when developing the target condition, what were you thinking of? You know, something like that. So you, you want to help the person share the thinking process. Maybe the, the improvement don't have a thinking process and does it automatically. So you, the coach wants to make the person realize that he or she is uh, using um, automatic answers and not reflecting on the situation. So, um, so Kret, um said that if um, if you have the right question, you you actually have the right answers. So you don't need as a coach to have all the the answer. You you need to have all the good questions. And um, I think also it's kind of a relief for the the management because if you you need to have all the answers. It puts uh, you in in, in great um, stress, and um, and and actually, as a consultant, uh, whether you are an internal consultant, outside consultant, you know sometimes they they expect tell me what to do, and I always tell them um, when you ask me to tell you what you uh, what to do, what are you asking me, or what are you telling me? And uh, I, re I just like bounced back the question to them and said, well, we are lost and we don't know what to do. So we expect that someone has the answer and you're a great and you're a top-notch person. So uh, tell us what to do, what's wrong. And um, they, just, they just want a magic wand, you know, and magic wand except on, in, uh, in films, uh, it doesn't really exist. So yeah. I guess the art of asking questions is really to be a better coach and understanding that um, um, you have to um, make um, everyone responsible for the work they have to do. And when you, you coach someone, you have to have an intention. So right. really, like uh, in short, but uh, I think the art of asking questions is to be a, a better coach. Well, and you remind me of something that um – John Toussaint, uh, you know, Dr. Toussaint was the CEO at ThetaCare. He's now, you know, the CEO at Catalysis, a great lean healthcare advocate. And you know, I just why I wanted to pull up the quote and read it to you because this will sound very familiar. Um, you know, he said in part, uh, you know, as a leader, uh, quote, no one person has all the answers, however, and humility demands that we recognize this. In humility, there is great freedom. We can stop pretending to know everything which is, you know, that, that's, um, I, I think, something I've seen more and more leaders come to realize. They don't need to have all the answers. So, um, yeah, that's, and maybe I could ask Mark uh, for one second that yeah. um, the, um, what we say in the community of uh, the kestiology, you know, the people who are uh, trying to, to be better um, at the art of asking questions is, um, the person asking the question is the person in control. Mm. Not the yeah, person say more, say more, say more about that. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. So if a manager wants to really be in control and uh, want to be in leadership position, they have to ask the question, not provide the answer. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, you know, I want to let you talk a little bit more about um, the, the memory jogger. And again, it's called the Toyota Kata memory jogger. It's the latest in a really excellent line of memory jogger books from Goal QPC. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about the book and the intended audience? I mean, does the name memory jogger imply that this is a, a great book for somebody who maybe read Mike Rother's book um, a few years ago, has practiced kata, wants something they can keep in their pocket, or what, what are different ways people would use this memory jogger book? The uh, memory jogger is really um, a tool that um, if you have um, read uh, the Toyota Kata book and you want to have more like a, uh, um, a, a tool that uh, helps you uh, recall what kind of a question or what at this step, what to do, or what is the, the right graph to calculate the exit cycle. Um, Really, it's kind of a, a, how do you call that, cheat sheet. And um, mm -hmm. uh, you really want to have uh, your memory refresh at all time. Um, that's the intent of the Memory Jogger uh, collection. And um, it's funny because I, I was buying the Memory Joggers when I was manager in the pharmaceutical industry. And I was buying a ton of those for my, uh, my team, you know. And... Um, it was kind of funny and, and really, uh, I was uh, very happy and proud that uh, I would, you know, produce one uh, mm -hmm. one day and uh, that's the one. So the intent is really for people yeah. doing coaching and for people doing improvement. If they want to refresh their mind about a step or you get nervous about something or you want to prepare, just prepare yourself for a coaching session and you, you, you want to prepare your question or... As um, an improver, you know that you will have another meeting and you just want to make sure what goes into an experimenting record or do I put that in the obstacle parking lot or not? Or um, I, I wrote my prepare my target condition and am I okay or not? And you don't want to go back and, and, and reread three books, you know? Mm -hmm. you, you you go to the Kata, Toyota Kata Memory Jugger and... Um, you refresh your mind over a page or two with lots of graphs and, and that's it, you know. So some people may want to learn Toyota Kata going through the uh, memory jogger. I think it's feasible, but um, uh, I guess it, it, it is useful if you have uh, some experience with uh, improvement uh, A3 or if you have some experience in conscious improvement. And um, the target is really for managers and consultants, internal consultants that are doing improvement. It goes, it, it comes in two formats, actually. One is a more like a desk format, if you want to have a bigger uh, book, but uh, the pocket size is the most uh, popular, and um, it's uh, very handy. You could uh, put that uh, everywhere. And yeah. you, I always, obviously, but I always carry one with me in my, in my bag. Yeah, you can keep one in the car, you can keep one in the backpack, you can keep one in the Yes, car. why not? <laughs> um, well, so thank you uh, for, for sharing um, some of your thoughts and experiences here. Maybe I can 
uh, put you on the spot with sort of just a, a final thought that you might want to share um, with the audience. Uh, Mark Olivier, how about we'll, we'll start with you and then come back to Jean-Marc. Do you have kind of final thought? Yeah, sure. Um, I would say um, practice, have a coach, be a coach. And uh, and honestly, on and I think that's one of the great things with the, the memory jogger on a coaching note, um, take time to think about the answer of the of the of the improver and and you know a, a silence is is not an issue it's it's better to like kind of observe take time to think and be sure of the intention behind behind your your next question great Jean, uh, Jean-Marc uh, kind of final thought or tip uh, to end it on well, there's two things I would say. The first one is um, I'm, I meet, uh, you know, people that are uneasy, shy. They may think that they look full asking always the five questions in the same same order. And um, they, they have to, to go beyond that because the question is just the agenda of a, of a meeting. It's just an agenda a good way to to a, a good checklist you know um, a pilot airplane pilot is not shy to go through the checklist every time they take off or they land yeah. and um, they, they're not shy about that because it's their best friend and uh, and you don't uh, you know you don't make mistakes like or you reduce the the events of mistakes like that so I guess um, it's one thing that you know, don't don't be shy about that and uh, use it. And the the last thing I would tell you is that one thing that really helped me uh, over time is that when I I meet uh, organization, uh, when I meet teams or managers, um, I always use the five questions, but I don't tell them. I ask them, mm. you know, what is your vision and and what is your next target condition. And uh, where are you at now? What is the actual condition? And what are your obstacles, by the way, these days? You know, and uh, which one you pick? And how do you know it's an obstacle? And then I ask them, um, what is your next step? What is your next um, uh, initiative? You know, uh, to do to overcome that. And uh, oh, by the way, what do you expect uh, from that experience? You know, or that project? And uh, how you will measure it, and uh, when 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 can you uh, show? Uh, when can we go and see uh, the result? You know, and yeah. uh, have you done other experience before? And uh, what did you expect? Uh, have you had a measure? What kind of measure you had? And uh, what happened? What have you learned from that? So I, I could facilitate an hour or two or three meetings with people just with that structure that I have in mind. I didn't read mm-hmm. my cue cards. I, I knew them by heart. So it, it changed a lot my um, my practice. And, and I, I could say that um, uh, at the end of the meeting, I gave them cue cards, you know, the, the five-question card, plastic. And I said, I just want to let you know that my, my uh, session today was organized around the five questions. And, um, and you didn't notice, but it made sense. And we came to the solution because we were disciplined, because I had an agenda and because uh, we stick to the script. And, and, and then it helps to, to sell the idea. So I guess uh, we have to lead by example. 
Well, and and thank you for that. And I, you know, I think I appreciate you sharing the parallel uh, to to airline pilots, maybe you know surgeons who are really disciplined about um, using checklists. That there's no shame in using a checklist. That a checklist is not a replacement for um, creativity and uh, leadership, and it, it's a framework and a structure to work within. And that, and that's one thing that thing has you know always been appealing. Uh, to me about um, Toyota Kata. So that's so correct. That's so correct. Right. So follow through on the commitments. Give you the last word there. I guess as the host, I I get the last uh, thank you and and wrap up here. Bonwan, thank you both, Sean, Mark, Mark Olivier. It's great talking to you um, here on the podcast. I, I hope we'll have a chance to cross paths uh, again in person as we have before. So thank you again for being here. Thank you, Mark, for inviting us. Uh, this is uh, quite a a great time, a good, good way to, to, uh, to meet again. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was fun. Okay. All right, take care and keep warm up there. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.